0: And now, The Low
1: Post. Welcome to The Low Post podcast on a Thursday afternoon where we are 15-ish games into the NBA season. We're starting to get to know the rookies and how good some of these rookies are. And it's kind of a fun rookie class to help us break it all down. The guy who's known these rookies longer than anyone at ESPN and knows them better than anyone at ESPN. One of our draft experts, the incomparable Mike Schmitz. How are you, sir?
0: Zach, I'm great, man. Thank you for having me.
1: It's always a pleasure. And uh, yeah, it's a a nice day here in Connecticut. It's sunny. I feel a little better. I just feel a little better, feel a little happier. I I cut open an avocado today to make a sandwich and the avocado was absolutely perfectly ripe. You know how rare that is. Life just feels feels good today. I feel good today, Mike.
0: I feel the same. A a big exhale. You know, I haven't had my avocado yet. Um, I might have to Roll the dice and see if I get that same type of luck. A little avocado toast here this morning in LA, but uh, yeah, it's it's 75 and sunny, and so the 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 country is in a good place today. The
1: avocado really was just spot on, just the perfect the perfect level of ripeness. Um, well, I'm glad to hear you're good, and uh, let's dive right into it. We're gonna start. We're gonna focus on the top three picks. I think they they are the most interesting. Obviously, the investment in them is the biggest. There are lots of fun rookies up and down this class. Peyton Pritchard, Tyrese Halliburton have already made my 10 things column. It's a fun rookie class. Let's start with uh, the number three pick. Your number one prospect in this draft. One of the more polarizing top prospects that I can remember in the last five years. LaMelo Ball. 12 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists a game. 40% shooting overall, 33 from deep, 45% on twos. A little bit of a slump lately, Uh, The on-off numbers have dipped unfavorably to him. The Hornets are minus five with him on the floor and plus five with him off the floor. But I think overall, it's very clear that he has exceeded most expectations already. Certainly, the criticisms of his game, the concerns have not borne out. And the concerns were, number one... The intel in the interviews was so bad. Like, is this kid just mentally not ready to play in the NBA? And number two, and I'd be most interested to start here. I mean, I didn't watch him hardly at all, other than some passing highlights and all that. I mean, I read some stuff about his defense that, look, a lot of rookies are bad at defense, right? And you said he was not good good at defense. But the more extreme version of that analysis was, he's not only not good at defense, he's not trying he's not competing, there's concern that he's just going to be almost like like toxic in the NBA or something for your competitive culture. That hasn't borne out at all. Like He's not a great defensive player. He's probably not even a good one. He makes a lot of mistakes, but he's absolutely
0: competing.
1: Start there. Has that surprised you at all?
0: Yeah, the energy that he's played with ha- has surprised me a little bit. And I think he's risen to the occasion um, just being surrounded by NBA players and, and being in that type of environment. Um, you know, I always thought that he would be a playmaker off the ball defensively just because his instincts are incredible. Um, you know, his timing, his anticipation. I loved his his rebounding as a guard, as a big guard, his instincts there, just reading the ball off the rim are pretty high level. Um, but, yeah, he's been much more energetic than i thought and i think part of that is playing him in the role that they are playing him right coming off the bench um giving him short spurts of minutes and kind of making him earn it um with that type of energy but i mean early on in the season the the more you talk to that staff you would just hear them rave about like the person he was you know like the spirit the joy uh, the way guys gravitated toward him on the court and off the court and so i always thought that the criticism of his habits and all that was a little bit overblown um just from being able to go down there and and watch him in australia and uh just kind of see like how he is on a day-to-day basis i didn't see it as some toxic thing it was more a matter of this guy moved all over the world he had never played for a winning team you know he had never really finished a season so my question was more when the going gets tough and you're in a long 82 game season in a normal year like is he just going to pack it in And we haven't seen that at all so far.
1: Yeah, that's a question for every rookie. And it's a question also like one of, I mean, this is a complete aside, but I'm going to talk about it. It's my podcast, Mike. I can talk about whatever I want. (laughs) It's what I'm wondering most about with Jeremy Grant, for instance, in Detroit, who's really, I mean, proving all of us, including me, wrong that he was completely unprepared for a number one option role. Now, I think we're seeing what happens when Jeremy Grant is the number one option on your team. Even if he's really efficient, the team probably isn't going very far. But he's that is not his fault at all. He's been playing amazing. But that burden is really heavy. And I'm interested to see how he deals with it in game 50. Let's go back to LaMelo. In talking to people in Charlotte, they they love him. I mean, they love his personality. They say he's very coachable. Like He, he knows when he makes mistakes. You tell him. Hey, that was you you ball watched there on defense or he overhelped sometimes like you shouldn't have helped there. Or you missed that rotation. He gets it and he doesn't do it again the next time. I think there's part of them that is almost a little exuberant and wants to start him, but I agree with you. I think this is the perfect situation for him. There's no pressure. They have two starting guards. He's almost always on the floor with one of Terry Rogier, Devontae Graham, and Gordon Hayward. So there's just plenty of ball handling. He doesn't have to do a ton of heavy lifting. I think so far this is a great success story. So aside from the defense, what has surprised you, good or bad, about his
0: first 15 games in the NBA? Yeah, what surprised me the most is just how he's fit in offensively. You know, I kind of described him as a six, seven Trey young in a sense, like not that level of a shooter, obviously, but someone that you kind of had to hand the keys to, to get the best out of him. I I thought that that was going to be important for him, uh, you know, to really show some of the passing genius and those things that we saw in the past. But I mean, he's shooting it well off the catch. Uh, he's moving the ball. He's fitting in those multi-guard lineups, like you said, with Devontae Graham, with Terry Rozier. I mean, those three together, I think if you look at the numbers, have had success um, on both ends of the floor. And, and so I, I've been a little bit surprised at just how quickly he's fit in alongside you know other good players. And I think a lot of that, dates back to his early days honestly like playing with his brothers uh playing that style at at chino hills you know it was it was so criticized like the run and gun and and obviously the defense was atrocious and the half-court pull-ups and all that but it forced him to basically thrive in like a chaotic style right it doesn't have to be high ball screen And then everything's set. I need to have a guy in the corner. I need to have a hard dive. I need to have a guy lifting up on the wing. Like he can play out of chaos. And I think that's, what's allowed him to have success alongside these other players and I mean teams are like running him off the line at times whether that's a mistake or not you know a little head fake he gets downhill and then he's able to read and react so his processing speed his ability to think on the fly uh, has really really opened my eyes and you know I think he's going to fit alongside those guards or other guards or whoever they bring in in the future for a long time I think we should
1: add to All-Star whenever there's All-Star again in like 2025 when people can go. We should add a weird shot release three-point shooting contest. So like Tyrese Halliburton can be in it. LaMelo can be in it. Lonzo can be in it. We can bring Kevin Martin out of retirement to be in it. Uh, I think that because the release doesn't look great. But it's, it's going in and, I mean, 33% isn't great, but for, for what you expected and for a rookie, that's a really good start. Uh, you mentioned the, the three-guard lineup with Graham, Rozier, and LaMelo. They are plus 17 points per 100 possessions in 51 minutes. obviously a small sample size, but it is encouraging. And, Mike, I, I'm going to reveal to you that I, I have a problem. I, like I'm, Mentally, I, just, I have a lot of problems. So can I tell you one thing I like about that lineup?
0: Yes, I'd love to hear it.
1: LaMelo ball is number two. Terry Rogier wears number three. And Devontae Graham wears number four. And when they all stand next to each other, it's like I'm looking at the 27 Yankees or something. Like they've put now when you put, if you put Miles Bridges on, Miles Bridges is zero. So we yeah. are one number. Is Malik Monk still number one? Wait a yeah. second. Wasn't Malik Monk number one? They have to play the zero through four lineup. That has like if, if James Morigo, I'm telling you right now. If he doesn't roll out, I'm just double checking that Malik Monk is still number one because I, you know, yeah. I um if if let me think, let me see. He is number one. Okay. If James Morego does not play that lineup at some point this season, I am going to call for his dismissal on this podcast. The warning is out. <laughs> I have
0: a I have a lot of problems. No, the pleasures, the pleasures you get out of the simple things between that and the avocado, very, very impressive. So um the passing
1: has been as advertised, right? Like he had, in a game I was watching the other day, he got a rebound and threw a 90, literally 90 foot, almost baseline to baseline baseball pass to Gordon Hayward, who caught it and made a lefty little fadeaway jumper. Um, he sees the floor. He sees, the, like, he's, got, he's passing from two steps ahead. He's got all that. My question to you, this is the most interesting LaMelo ball question for me. You mentioned you thought he was going to have, you know, to get the most out of him, you've got to give him the keys. That's what I'm most curious about. Is in four years, three years, what does that look like? And does can he, can he become a dangerous enough scorer with the ball where he can take on that kind of role that we've seen some of these superstar ball handlers take on? Is I'm the number one option as a scorer and a passer, or is he more like a going to be sort of like a Jason Kitty kind of player or somewhere in between? I I just it's so early. I have no idea what that looks like. I will say his first step's a little better than I thought it would be. Like he, he can get by people. It doesn't always look great. It's a little herky-jerky, but he gets by people. I just don't, I, I'm having trouble envisioning what that looks like. What do you see?
0: Yeah, the question has always been, can he score efficiently enough in the half court, especially if you switch a big on to him, like is his pull up falling enough to where he can play off of that and then get by you? Um, I think he's really going to have to improve that obviously to kind of set the table for the rest of his game, but also his finishing has not been good. Um, You know, just with uh, handling contact, you know, he has this tendency to like almost always go to his left hand, like even in a finishing situation where like, he can clearly just extend with his right and and you know use that length that he has. Um, he's not like this physical driver get into your body like shake you in one on one situations. Um, I mean, there's been some some ugly isolation possessions that he's had kind of in, in late clock situations. So. I think that's going to be a learning process for him. Um, But with that type of range and that type of handle, like you mentioned the first step, I mean, he can play off of those hesitations and get by you and and turn the corner. And he was honestly, like he was really a scorer when he was young. Like this passing is kind of new. Like when he was playing with Lonzo on the, not to keep, you know, hitting those teams when he was like 14 and 15, but when he was on those teams, he was like a long range sniper bucket getter. Like that was his style of play. Um, You know, obviously he scored the hundred points in the one game, which was kind of nonsense, but, um, and then it wasn't really until like his junior year that I started seeing the passing genius. Um, So I think he can get back to that and, and start blending those two things together. It might not be until year three or year four that he's actually efficient with it. But I think when he becomes a consistent pull up shooter, which I think he has the ability to do even with that funky release just because of the range, and when he grows into his body and adds a little more nuance as a finisher, then he could become definitely an efficient enough scorer in the half court.
1: Yeah, you've got to, he's going to have to be a good enough pull up shooter because we've seen now, and I'm rooting for him because I, I was talking to somebody about Lonzo yesterday, is off to an atrocious start. He's shooting 28% from three. If last year's 37% was a fluke, then I just don't really know what Lonzo Ball is in the NBA other than kind of an interesting backup. Um, but what Lonzo Ball definitely is, is a freaking basketball player, like someone you would want to play basketball with. And I I root for guys like that, which is why it's made me sad to see him stagnate. Like, I was reading projections. I think Hollinger was projecting he might make $20 million a year on his next contract. I'm like, whoa, Whoa. someone else can give Lonzo $20 million a year on his next contract. I felt the same way about Fultz. Like, Fultz is a super creative player, and the Magic were smart to get. I think the the back end of that contract is very much non-guaranteed or partially guaranteed. I don't have it in front of me. Like I just – if you can't shoot at all – yeah. I just am not, and and that it hurts me because Fultz is a super crafty player. Lonzo, like I said, you'd want to play with Lonzo. Rubio to me is the ultimate example. Like, boy, do I want Ricky Rubio to be really good. And you know what? A lot of his on off numbers have painted him as really good but there's a reason he just gets sort of passed around the league. There just is a ceiling on how you can be as a player if your jump shot is not reliable. And that's going to be the test for, for Lamelo. but he's already ahead of where all those guys were. Like it looks like it should be fine the way he's shooting it now.
0: Yeah. And the thing, and we've talked about this in the past, but the thing that's so different about Lamelo than Lonzo and some of those other guys is like, he has no conscience. Like he's one of the most confident kids I've ever been around in my life. And, Uh, that matters you know like if, if he's struggling like he can shoot himself out of a slump and then uh you know compared to a guy like Lonzo he just has a lot more off the bounce um you know I think like with his change of speeds his handle his combo moves um and then the ambidexterity around the rim like I think he's going to be a good finisher in time he's just not there yet um he has the floaters from the elbows um so definitely a unique unconventional guy um but I do think the confidence and the fact that he has a little bit more wiggle than some of those guys it is going to help him, um, you know, reach a higher ceiling as a scorer, even if he's never going to be, you know, obviously he's never going to be like some type of Damian Lillard, you know, bucket, right? But um, I, I think he can be better than, you know, the guys you just mentioned.
1: Yeah, I'm just I'm just very curious about what that looks like in three or four years because to me it's very blurry right now, and I'm, I'm very interested to see how it turns out. You mentioned his finishing. He is – the weirdest freaking finisher around the rim maybe that I've seen in the, like I, I, he gets there and all of a sudden his arm is like all the way out to his side and he's flicking up something weird with the wrong hand. And from a weird angle, I'm like, what What are you doing? He's just a very strange player. He's shooting 49% at the rim. And then other times, like I was watching them against the Knicks last week, Nerland's Noel, who's a giant person yeah. was just was just at the rim and this and LaMelo who on a lot of other drives contorts himself almost beyond what is necessary, sees Nerlens Noel and is like, you know what? This time I'm not going to contort myself. This time I'm just going to lay it up as if this dude isn't here. And Nerlens Noel was like, oh, thanks. I'm just going to volleyball spike this into... So the. It was very strange. But that's a rookie thing. Like, we'll talk about that with Edwards. Edwards has is, is been awful around the rim, missing everything. That'll come. That's part of the progression. Like, th- this is a new level of athleticism, new level of defense. The last thing I want to get into is the passing. He... I almost wonder if part of his evolution into a whatever kind of score he becomes is he is so wired right now to pass that, and the passes are genius. I mean, these cross-court passes to the corners, he throws them very early, which is generally a good thing because if you throw them early, you catch the defense when they're still rotating toward you and away from the shooter you're passing to. But there are lots of times where I'm like, Ooh, he he was one or two dribbles away from kind of doing something interesting there and he just got off of it. I wonder if that's it. I just finding that balance is part of it, right?
0: Yeah, I think finding the balance and then you know, continuing to like play off of his passing too, I think will open up scoring opportunities. Like we've seen how good he is in that pick and pop with PJ Washington. I mean, his ability to throw those passes, whether they're behind the backs or like backhand flips to PJ in stride. Um, it's really hard for that kind of drop to big to recover in time, right? And so if he's able to play off of that um, and just give a hesitation, they're biting on the pick and pop and then get downhill, um, I think that's going to open up more scoring opportunities just because his ability to pass off the dribble is really, really high level like with either hand, every single read that you could imagine. Um, his chemistry with Miles Bridges too, I, I think has been really interesting, just not just in transition, um, but some of the blobs he's thrown when Miles is a screener or when Miles is diving in the rim, Um, so hopefully some of that passing can kind of open up scoring opportunities but I mean overall man like just such an unconventional player like you're almost watching some of the things he does off the ball like it's like no just stay space to the corner and he's like drifting to the dunker spot and then like you know he's kind of screwing up their transition defense sometimes because he's like jamming the ball handler and going for steals He just goes rogue half the time but Um, So I imagine it'd be an interesting player to coach. um, But just those type of instincts, like in my experience doing this, you really just don't see that from kid his age.
1: Yeah, I'm very excited for the whole LaMelo Ball experience. I'm enjoying the whole thing. Um, Yeah, Miles Bridges, by the way, that dude, that dude is out to murder people at the Mm -hmm. basket. I mean, just straight up, you're dead and you're never coming back to life. Uh, I, it's, it's, so, it's almost unnerving how violent his dunks are. I love. Every, he's in my 10 things column this week. I love everything about it. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call Click Granger.com or just stop by. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's there up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, watch out for them. You name it, they won't find a satellite dish but you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Let's move on to the number two pick in the draft, James Wiseman. Golden State Warriors starting center, uh, 11 points a game, six rebounds, troubling stat, nine assists and 23 turnovers. We can get into that. Um, rebounded last night, had 20 points and four assists. So he was, five, he was five assists and 23 turnovers before last night. I've seen some people a little disappointed in Wiseman early on. Certainly there have been calls uh, from the Twitter coach Arati to, for Steve Kerr to change his starting five, not take out Wiseman, but take out one of the wings probably. Um, I have to say, to me, James Wiseman is right on schedule. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've, And we can talk about why and how on both ends of the floor. I see nothing. He's shooting 50% from the floor, 40% on three. Now that's only at 15 attempts. He's 6 of 15. Um, You know, 62% at the line I think is a little troubling. Certainly the Warriors have noticed that and said, ooh, we need to get that a little better. But I don't – defenses, we can talk about it, but I, I think James Wiseman is right on schedule – and if you redrafted today, I look redrafting today is stupid. It's been 15 games. Like talk to me in a year, but I think Wiseman and Ball in some order probably go one and two. I'm bullish on James Wiseman after 15 games. What have you seen that has surprised you, either direction, good or bad?
0: Yeah, he's been ahead of schedule by what I expected. Um, you know, I just thought that such a long layoff, uh, such a short college career, obviously, and then somebody who in the past has had his struggles with reading the game quickly, which is still something that he needs to improve greatly. Um, but just the fact that he's been able to come in and, and play 20 minutes a game on that caliber of a team, like I underestimated just how lethal like his physical tools are, like just how he's in a class of his own. He's like, ridiculous. I'm, it's I'm, ridiculous. Already. Yeah, and, and just – how impactful that is as a lob catcher, as a rim protector, as a rim runner when he isn't in, in position um, and when he is playing like revved up like we've seen. Uh, so he's been much better than I anticipated, to be honest. And, you know, with James, the the thought was always, and the Memphis coaches would, would tell you this, they would always say if he goes to Golden State, he's going to be awesome. If he goes somewhere else where the culture is not great, um, he doesn't have great vets around him, then he's really going to struggle. And, and you've seen the moments where he's down on himself, right, and, and he's hanging his head and he's frustrated and he's fouling like crazy. And when you have Draymond Green to kind of pull you to the side and, and talk through some of those things in games and practices, whatever, hopefully he's not just doing that when he's mic'd up, but uh, he <laughs> has that to lean on, right? And, and so if he were in a different situation, I think we would probably see a lot more of the, you know, catch in the mid post, Hold fall away jumpers, um, and, and the lack of rebounding and, and you know, the, the lack of motor at times. I think that would be a little bit more apparent than it is in Golden State. And, and the reality is, like, if they're going to put two on the ball with Steph Curry, um, and then you have him as a diver, I mean, he had seven dunks against the Spurs. You know, you look at his line and it's like 20 points, he had this monstrous game, and then you watch the film and it's like open lob, open lob, open dunk, drop off for a dunk. Um, so he's in an ideal situation, and you know, I definitely undersold. Um, just the value of his physical tools, length, and agility.
1: Yeah, the Spurs game was a, a great a great win for the Warriors and a bad loss for the Spurs. Just the Spurs aside, um, the Spurs are minus 11 points per 100 possessions with DeRozan and Aldridge on the floor together, which is an acceleration of a trend that is in year three now. Of They just lose those minutes. Every year they lose those minutes. This year they are getting... Walloped in those minutes, and Lamarcus, God love him, looks like he's aged about six years since the, since last season. He can't make anything. It's not. It's not going great. So the interesting thing about Wiseman, you talk about Draymond, it's very clear even from their public comments, the Warriors culture bearers, Steph, Draymond, and Steve Kerr, are going out of their way to talk about how they are putting their arms around James Wiseman, how. He's and, and you hear their their um, TV announcers who are basically part of the team. You know, he's going to be the starting center for the next 10 years, blah, blah, blah. And it's a sign of a healthy organizational culture. It's a sign that Steph and Draymond are thinking beyond their time, even in Golden State. Now, they're also thinking, if we want to win the title at any point again, we're probably going to need this dude to get good fast. But they have the long view in mind with him. And that's really interesting. And it's it's awesome that they're saying that. And I I think right now, Absolutely, the plan is for James Wiseman to be a warrior for life. I do think the Warriors are going to have to ask themselves, as they see Clay rehab from the second devastating injury in two years, are we a title contender next year with Steph, Draymond, Clay Thompson, James Wiseman, and this supporting cast? It's a hard question. I think it's too early to answer that question. I think the early returns are frankly kind of encouraging in that regard. But it is an interesting long-term question. But yeah, they clearly care about this guy. And to me, what's been most... The way he struggled has been very rookie, rookie e. The exactly the ways you'd expect for a rookie. Like he has these defensive sequences where you can tell he's like, "Holy, shit, these dudes are good." <laughs> like, right. these dude, like Dennis Schroeder hit a step back three against him, where he actually did okay and switched and and like kind of contested it, and Dennis just nailed it in his face, and you could see Wiseman being like. Whoa, these NBA guys. Jamal Murray caught him with a hesitation dribble. And, and you could just see, again, like he's digesting, all right, these guards are really, really freaking good. And But if you look at him defensively, what, what have you seen from him defensively so far?
0: Yeah, I think in pick and roll is, is where he's struggled a little bit. Um, you know, he has the ability when – Uh, you know, the game slows down for him and he's feeling good about himself on on both ends. Like, I think he's a real factor just because of how much ground he covers. Um, But, you know, he's fouling a ton. Um, That's been an issue for him in the past. Six
1: six fouls per 36 minutes.
0: Yeah, not great. And and so that's obviously an area where he's going to have to clean things up. Um, You know, he... He can step out a little bit, um, but I think he's had a little bit more trouble there than, than I expected. And then at the rim, if he sees it right in front of him, right, if, like, Draymond steps over to help and kind of is in position, then he can just kind of load from the weak side and, like, volleyball spike it off the glass that's when you see his rim protection the most i think um but when it's like really quick or when he's in these drops and he's got to play that cat and mouse game and like bluff and recover and those little things i think is is where he's still learning um i'm just interested to see like what is he going to be become right because he has all these little encouraging things like like the shooting is 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 he going to be like a hard diver and a pop guy, is he going to be like, then we see the ball handling in in certain situations. Okay. Is he going to be a guy who can like, is it actually pushing in transition or is it just like faking a DHO here and there and then getting downhill to finish? And then the passing, he finally had a a pretty nice read yesterday against the Spurs on a backdoor pass. I think he finished with, with four assists. Okay. Is that going to evolve? Because by my view, you look at the best bigs in the NBA, right? You have your run and jump guys, you know, your um, you know, Capella, Jared Allen, Mitchell Robinson, these type of guys, but then the best bigs in the NBA can kind of create their own and, and facilitate, right? Whether it's Jokic, AD, Giannis, Carltown, Embiid. yeah, and Embiid, be whatever. Um, so is he gonna become like some just super elite DeAndre Jordan like for them, is that what he's going to be, who can move better and has a little more skill? Or is he going to be one of those type of guys? Like, that's what I'm interested to see as he continues to progress.
1: Well, that's what makes young big men so interesting. I've talked a lot about that uh, with regard to DeAndre Ayton, who mm-hmm. can kind of do a lot of everything, and it's going to be up to him and the Suns. And to some degree, it depends who's on the court with you, right? Like, James Wiseman is in a very unique position where he got drafted by a team that, when it's healthy thinks it can contend for the title. So when Steph's on the floor with you, your role is going to be one thing. When Steph is off the floor, your role might turn into more like that facilitator-creator role. But it is interesting with these big men sort of which direction they get nudged into. And I think right now the answer, like I'm sure, I know the Warriors have ambitions for him that are bigger than good DeAndre Jordan. Okay, yeah. like like they. W- I think shooting threes is going to be part of his game. Mm-hmm. Working off the dribble is going to be part of his game. And defensively, you're right that he's had for sure, moments and stretches of confusion and struggle. But again, to me, they are happening in ways that are exactly how you would expect them to happen. They are not alarming to me at all. In fact, I see just as many possessions where he gets low in a stance against the pick and roll and mm-hmm. effectively guards two guys at once, deters the ball handler, doesn't lose track of the roller behind him, Where he, and he's had some closeouts on shooting bigs where he gets back to them and keeps on balance they can't blow by him off the dribble now he's also had like he was super late getting back to miles turner a couple times when he he should have been much earlier that's personnel that's feeling it all out those are the mistakes that's going to happen he's definitely let some offensive rebounds go because he chases blocks that he has no chance to get which you know a lot of big men who are sort of empty calories guys do that That's again he he's used to getting everything he wants and he's going to realize like this league is a little faster and more skilled But all of those things are exactly on schedule for a rookie big man who like you said Almost no college no summer league no preseason thrown right into the fire. He's got draymond yelling at him all the time He's got it's it's not easy. I think he's been Really bullish and the stuff with like I don't know what it is about the warriors Maybe it's the success they've had they lose like two games in a row, and there are these outcries for Steve Kerr to like change everything. Yeah. Just scrap right. the starting lineup. Right. Makes turn Steph into James Harden. And some of the criticisms in their less extreme forms certainly have merit. Like, Steve is not beyond criticism. I've criticized him before, but he's he's pushed back, particularly with this starting five of Oubre, Wiggins, Steph, Draymond, and Wiseman, and said, We're going to give it time. We're going to mm-hmm. give it time. I like it. I like the length. I like the defense. And you know what? I don't really have a huge problem with that. Yeah, is it possible they need to put Bazemore in or one of Damian Lee in for more shooting? Yeah, it's possible. But Kelly Oubre starting to make some shots. Andrew Wiggins has made a leap on defense. He's blocking shots. He's shooting it okay. Draymond's getting, getting back into the flow. Wiseman's a rookie. You've bought yourself some wins. They're over 500. You've bought yourself some time. I don't mind being a little patient and seeing how it works. I just, you know, there's something about the Warriors where everyone wants to change everything all the time.
0: I want to see what it's going to look like when there, and this is maybe not even this year, right? This is maybe down the road. But, um, you know, Steve Kerr in the past has liked to go small, right? Like Eric Pascal has, has had a lot of success, you know, this season. And you can feel the moments where when James is struggling, where it's like, okay, Kevon Looney. Or the thought is let's go small. Uh, let's get a guy who can transfer the ball side to side. And I'm just curious like what the leash is going to be like late in games when it matters against really good teams right is it like back to okay who we were we're playing small or we really trust james now like he's gotten to this point where he's a shots at the rim he is our center of the future um and, and we're gonna roll with him regardless against you know playoff teams and, and again that's probably not an, a question that we have answered this year um but i'm just interested to see like stylistically how much uh, they'll commit to like him being himself late in games, if you know what I'm saying.
1: You can also see to, to that point, um, people want power from mm. James Wiseman, right? They want power, they have all these jumpers. They everyone sounds like Shaq talking about James Wiseman. Why is he taking all these jumpers? Get down in the post, blah blah blah. Um I don't the jumpers are fine. There are a lot of possessions where he catches the ball in the floater range. And he's got an alley. He's got an alley to just get. And he doesn't even need to dribble. Just get up and jump into the jump toward the rim. You're going to get fouled, or you're going to dunk, or both. And he takes floaters. And like again, that's going to have to be coached out of him. That's going to have to be learned out of him. But I think I think he'll get there. The other thing I I wonder what you saw of him in high school and stuff. He sets real picks. Like he 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 varies up between slipping out of picks, which is what every big man wants to do is just slip for dunks, slip for dunks. He'll hit you. If the situation calls for it, if his coaches tell him to, I I like the variety in his screen setting. Yeah, this is that's new. Uh,
0: that that really wasn't him as much in high school, uh, and I think the brief time he was at Memphis, you know, Cody Topper, who worked in the NBA for you know a long time, has had a lot of success. Um, he is very big on screening angles and, and the importance of that, especially with their bigs. And um, you know, I think James has really added that to his game from what I saw at, at the high school level and. That's kind of what surprised me uh, most with him is like he wasn't really some dominant like AAU player either. Um, he, he was never someone to just go like kill. Like you saw the glimpses and, and you saw the physical tools, the way he moved, the touch um, was always like eye opening. But there weren't always that many games where it's like, oh, well, classic James Wiseman. He just had 30 and 20 and eight blocks in a big win. You know, it was always like. You just wanted a little more and, and even at like usa basketball camps you know there there was like a level of toughness that wasn't always there frankly it, it was like if isaiah stewart you know frankly kicked his ass one day then the next day he was in sweats you know and and so there wasn't Was, Ooh, it, there was is that it, a thing that is that a thing that happened yeah i mean from what i saw and that oh that battle goes deep those two James Wiseman and Isaiah Stewart had their moments. I mean, at, at the AAU level, USA Basketball McDonald's All-American, um, they they go at it. So that's something to to keep an eye on as, as we get deeper into their NBA. That's topics. a
1: nice that's a nice contrast in styles. Like Wiseman is ultra athletic and ultra skilled, and Isaiah Stewart is okay athletic and okay skilled but wants to kill you and will fight 5 people to get a loose ball and wants to rebound everything. I like I like Isaiah Stewart already. Right? He's just running into people, getting rebounds, being mean. I like that's a nice and uh, now I'm excited. Have they played yet? I don't think they've played yet, they, have they? They played,
0: they played early in the year. And they, oh, they did. The and um yeah, I think Isaiah had some moments. So, yeah, he's one of the hardest playing bigs I, I've ever seen. Uh, not to get oh. too off off base, but um No, he's a rookie. We can talk about rookies. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a fan. Just his offensive rebounding, his physicality. Um, you know, he had some nice moments even even yesterday. I think against the Hawks, sent one of uh, Onyeka Okongwu shots. Um, so who's still working his way who's working his way back? I, I was excited to get my uh,
1: one of our first extended glimpses at Okongwu, and, and it was interesting when they even when they played him with Collins uh, when when they were at the four and the five. Okongwu was strictly the five, both ends of the floor. He was guarding fives. He was playing the five on offense. Did they clearly? Even in that alignment where size-wise it's not clear who should be the four or the five, they envision him as a five. And they envision Collins as a four. And I think in that whole game, I watched that whole game, which was not the most attractive game of basketball I've ever seen. I don't think John Collins played one second of center in that game. Maybe a situational possession, but I think they played him at the four almost the whole game, which which is quite... Quite interesting. And I thought he would split his minutes a little more. I mean, look, when Capella's getting 5,000 rebounds and playing out of his mind, maybe there's just, you know, not a lot of time at the five.
0: Yeah, I'm interested to see how how he develops. You know, obviously, he's someone we were pretty uh, loud and proud about, you know, thinking that he had potentially a brighter future than than james wiseman and uh, obviously james has like you said been incredible for redrafting now maybe he is a, a top two pick um but you know never want to never want to write guys off too quickly so I'll, I'll be i'll have my eye on that as they continue to develop
1: yeah it's very early for for a and i was you can see defensively right away what what he the feel he has and what he's going to bring to the table Or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply.
2: It's demon time on prize picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100 times your money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, PrizePix is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance, so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make PrizePix the number one daily fantasy sports app. Just download the app today and use code LOW for a first deposit match up to $100. That's code LOW on the Price Picks app for a first deposit match up to $100. Price Picks. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy.
1: Let's go to the number one pick in the draft. Ooh. And boy, do I have no idea what to make of this dude. Yeah. Anthony Edwards, 12 points, 12 points three rebounds, two assists a game, 36% from the floor, 28% from three, 42% from two, not great, even assist to turnover ratio. And Mike, just when you think, I don't know how many times I've done this, where I have a moment where I say to myself, I think the Timberwolves have hit rock bottom. Mm. Just when you think they've hit rock bottom, they blow a huge lead against an Orlando Magic team that is literally almost out of guards. They almost don't have any point guards left on the team. And they blow the whole thing. Jared Vanderbilt, who... God bless Jared Vanderbilt. He's so energetic. I love watching him play. Misses a couple free throws. Cole Anthony comes down. Buzzer beater at home. And... It's just just when you think that... I, I just can't imagine how miserable it is there right now. But Anthony Edwards, not on the floor in crunch time again last night against the Magic. Uh, there have been calls, certainly, for him to play more. I have not been particularly upset about his playing time either way. It is a little distressing, and obviously there have been mitigating circumstances galore for this. But he's only played 21 minutes all season with both Russell and Towns on the floor, which I, even given Cat's absence due to injury... And now, COVID. Uh, please get well, Cat. Best to your family. Um, I would like to see him play more with the other quote unquote cornerstone guys. I'm not sure. I'm not really going to call D'Angelo Russell a cornerstone guy, but they are. I mean, the member Gerson Rosa said people wanted us to get a point guard. Well, we wanted this point guard. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, you got him now. What do we make of Anthony Edwards a month into his NBA life?
0: Yeah, he looks like a 19 year old kid who had a long COVID layoff with no training camp, no summer league, and frankly, is learning how to play like real basketball for the first time. Um, and I figured that there would be a little bit of a learning curve. Now, I didn't expect him to be shooting, you know, in, in the 20 percents from two and three over his last five games or some of the finishing struggles and all that. Um, but, you know, when you look at his career arc, Um, he was kind of a a late on the scene type of guy um, and and had really never been coached at a high level until his freshman season at Georgia. Like, so he's still very much learning how to like fit alongside other good players. Um, But to your point about playing with the starters, like, I would be interested to see him in that role just because if you look at his catch and shoot, it's a small sample again. And like, he's not always shot ready and he needs to move better off the ball, but he hasn't been that bad in those situations. And sometimes if you empower him to like, just here's the ball on, on this bench unit, you're just like a bucket, go do your thing. Then you're going to get a lot of those like contested long twos early in the clock. So I'm interested to see when he is eventually hopefully asked to play more alongside those two guys, is that going to force him to like become a guy who plays more efficient basketball? Um, So that's something I'm watching with him.
1: Yeah. I've liked what I've liked most about him so far. And again, it's all of these things are very predictable. Like nothing sure. The raw numbers are not encouraging. and, And sometimes a bad start to your rookie season can portend a lot of bad for a long time. You know, I remember 538 in Andrew Wiggins' rookie year, basically called him a bust like 25 games into the season. And everyone, including me, was like, well, that's ridiculous. He's yeah. a rookie. You know, hes it, I know he's the number one pick and that comes with all sorts of scrutiny. But to prematurely declare this is insane. And guess what? Andrew Wiggins was essentially a bust for a long, long time and is only now digging out, shoveling the dirt over his head of bust, bust, uh, USA. Um, so, But I, I nothing, again, so Anthony Edwards can't make a shot, can't finish at the rim, is a little bit out of control, is learning how to move off the ball, the nuances of NBA moving off the ball, learning the nuances of NBA defense. Well, it's like, no, sh-t. what did you think was going to be happening to him playing on a terrible team? And my God, are the Timberwolves terrible. Uh, this is what life is going to look like. What I've most enjoyed so far from him is like he had a play last night against the Magic where he was off the ball. Caught on the right wing, pump faked, drove into the paint, kicked to Jordan McLaughlin and Jordan McLaughlin's delightful scruffy beard on the left wing, relocated for a three that Jordan McLaughlin kicked to him and I think then drove and dunked on somebody, ended maybe Vucevic, just ended somebody. That catch and go feel for me, that's fine. That's a fine place to start. I don't need to see Anthony Edwards running 25 pick-and-rolls a game and, oh, look at the in-and-out dribble and the drop-off pass. Like We'll see that every once in a while in between seven wild floaters that leave a dent in the backboard. But that catch-and-go, that's where I want to – that and like play hard on defense, I'm fine if that's
0: all we get in year one along with glimpses of the other stuff. Yeah, that's why I want to see him alongside some of those other guys. I I think if you put him in this bench, Bucky getting roll, you're kind of empowering him to do some of the things that turned scouts off during his time at Georgia. But he's getting to the rim. I mean, getting there is not a problem. Like, when he wants to, he's just really struggling with those little bunnies, those touch shots, like you said. He had a couple bowling balls uh, off the backboard that, that you hate to see from a guard. But, like, his explosiveness, his first step, his physicality, he's just not making shots. And what's been interesting to me, and, and obviously we're talking in silver linings here because if you just look at it, like, his rookie year has not been good. But the passing potential that he shows you at times, um, whether it is the play that you just talked about or, you know, in ball screens, like he's shown the ability to hit the corner with his left hand or or probe and, you know, hit the big rolling. It's it's
1: there. It's there. It's there in there somewhere.
0: Right. So I think the development plan, kind of like you said, should be, okay. let's make sure that this guy finds a way to make catch and shoot threes at a decent clip to attack closeouts, get downhill, be efficient with his moves, and defend. Because when he wants to defend in one-on-one situations, he has some incredibly impressive moments. It's just the team stuff. It's bringing it every possession. And we could say that about a lot of guys in the NBA, obviously, and that usually to find that motor is is hard. Um, But I think – focus on that in year 1 show us the glimpses of the ball screen stuff like you said less step back threes he's like 9 of 47 on pull up jumpers or something like that it's like Ooh, that's that's not very good it's not very good I, yeah, I don't you know i'm no i'm no kevin pelton but i don't think it's very good so uh, i think finding more ways to just simplify the game for him is going to be important and like you said like it, it's kind of a no moment um just because he's never really played real basketball and so, uh, you know, he's going to have to do the work himself. But I think them putting him in better position to utilize his strengths, um, I'd like to see that also.
1: Well, you you said a word that is is very interesting to me. And it's something I think about more and more and more, which is simple. And mm-hmm. so Anthony Edwards is taking 19 shots per 36 minutes. Yeah. That's a fancy math way of saying Anthony Edwards is a little bit of a chucker. Okay. Yeah. So stop chucking. Like, he, t- he came in, he took six jump shots in like a minute and a half, it seemed like, last night. And sometimes I like, like, this was, this was step one for, I mean, on a way, way more advanced level, right? Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown developing as playmakers. Yeah. Step one for them was just make the simple play. When you see the second defender come, eight times out of ten, don't force it. Where's that second defender coming from? Marcus Smart over on the right wing. Is Marcus Smart a great shooter? No. Kick him the ball. He'll do something with all that open space that you've given him. Just basketball becomes so much easier when you start to make the simple play every time. So with Anthony Edwards, when he's made the simple play, okay, two guys are around me, there's Nas Reed open for three. Just make that play and life gets easier. Not only for Nas Reed, maybe Nas Reed attacks a closeout and gives you the ball back. With a head start to get to get a pump. And it's a, just making this. Now, you get good enough like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are. You don't have to make the simple play every time. Because you're so freaking good. You can make the hard play and get to the rim and get fouled. But just start off with just the simple. I was talking a lot to Brandon Ingram about this. Just make the. Yeah, Lonzo's not a good shooter. Eric Bledsoe's not a good shooter. Well, when I get into the paint and there are four dudes around me. The right thing for me to do is still just kick the ball out. And you know what? Lonzo's going to drive and kick to the next guy or whatever. And that's what I'd like to see more of that from Edwards. Just just make this
0: easy pass. Yeah, and guys want to play with you if you play that way. You know, you look at the way LaMelo is playing in Charlotte. I mean, he's lifted that entire group just because the ball is always moving side to side. And then you, know, you, don't, you never want a guy as a teammate who comes in, you know he's going to take those six jump shots in, in 30 seconds. But Tatum is a really good example of like how situation can really dictate – the player you become because the question about Tatum coming out was he was very ISO heavy. That was like his game. He was, you know? he was
1: Carmelo. People are going to be like, is he going to be like Carmelo and just take a bunch of long twos?
0: hundred percent. It was like catch, hold, jab, mid post ISO. And he is inc- he was incredible at it. Like he was, his game was so smooth, but like he was this mid range ISO killer. And then he gets to Boston and has to fit in alongside these other really good pieces And then he becomes like a very respectable catch-and-shoot guy. He learns how to play off of closeouts. He learns how to impact winning alongside other good players. And he got so good at that, then it's like, okay, now you're our star. And, and now you can go back to some of those things that made you so elite as a, as a young player. And also you have the ability to play off the ball and have a major impact. So it was kind of a perfect storm for a guy like that. And that's why, you know, I would hope that Edwards can learn those other things first. Otherwise, you know, it's just still going to be a lot of pull up jumpers and, and us just wanting him to do more getting to the rim.
1: I'm also anxious for the game. And it's interesting with these young guys, you know it's coming, right? Teams are like, we're just going to do our normal defense, normal defense. There's going to be a game or five games where teams start being like, you know what, we're going 10 feet under every pick on you. We're going mm-hmm. five feet under every pick. When you get a big switched onto you, we're going to hang at the foul line and dare you to shoot. And I think that's going to happen to LaMelo too. And I'm interested to see how they respond to that kind of defense and those kind of challenges. By the way, you know who the best rookie on the floor for the Wolves was last night?
0: Jaden McDaniels,
1: boy, look, Jaden McDaniels has played. I don't want to get too excited. I don't want to get too excited. He's played seventy six minutes. Okay, I've been, I've been, ex- I've been overexcited about some young players in my years doing this that don't pan out. I get a little too excited. I kind of like Jaden McDaniels. Tell me about. He was the twenty eighth pick, I think. Tell me about. Tell me about Jaden McDaniels because I like him. He's blocking shots. He's hitting threes. He's all over the place. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. I'm all in. I'm now exuberant. I'm all
0: in. So Jaden McDaniels. Was on my list here of guys to talk about who weren't in, in the top three. Um, Beautiful. he was number he was number one on our board at, at one point. Um, I, I don't wait, wait, what? Yeah, there was a point in time when Jaden McDaniels was number one on our mock draft. Um, he had this like meteoric rise, he was basically. You know, obviously he's Jalen McDaniel's younger brother, right? And and that's kind of who he was, you know? Oh, here's this skinny, lanky kid who's Jalen's little brother. He's got a little bit of talent. Let's see what he can do. Um, and then he had this monster EYBL session. I think I saw him in Indianapolis or something like that. And I was like, holy you like, this this kid reminds you, you know, you think of Brandon Ingram or Jonathan Isaac or any any of those skinny, rangy wings you want to throw out. Um, and... It all came a little too fast. Like he jumped up to being this top 10 recruit. We put him at number one. Uh, he doesn't get invited to the Nike Hoop Summit game where all the scouts are there. And then he comes as a practice squad player because he's local and really struggles against the Hoop Summit guys and then goes to Washington. They're horrible. Um, he had some technical issues. He's fouling a ton. He's turning it over. But the glimpses you saw were like that of an NBA all-star um, just as a 6'10 wing who can handle, who can shoot, uh, who can move, who shows you those glimpses of toughness as a shot blocker. Uh, I saw him put on one of the best one on one workouts I've ever seen in Santa Barbara. And you never want to put too much stock in the one on one workout.
1: No, what, what you're going to tell me right now, I'm putting all the stock into all my <laughs> stock is based on what you're about to say.
0: I'm just telling you, I'm looking at this guy, 6'10", rangy handles it i think he knocked down like 17 or 18 wing threes in a row just completely effortless and i'm just like how there's no way in the world that this guy is not at least an nba starter eventually um now he wasn't the most consistent guy and and, you know he struggled to make decisions he struggled with uh the motor consistency and all that um but the talent is insane and when you're on an open nba court and you have those abilities you know i think eventually the talent is going to shine through and that's what we saw last night
1: Whew. I need a I need a second here. <laughs> I mean, so so what you're saying is like eight time all star, time <laughs> also. What are, what are we talking about here? I'm
0: very excited about the I about, think I, about I'll back into Jaden McDaniels as the the number one, our former number one pick. Um, these brothers
1: need to have these brothers who look alike need to have more dissimilar names. Yeah, and the Martin twins in Charlotte. Get a different hairdo. You yes. can't have jersey numbers that are one one off from another. Like one is – Caleb is 10 and Cody is 11. Yep. You got to be able to differentiate. I, I just – I have to pause the game and be like, which Martin twin is in the game? Um, okay, give me – I the floor is yours. Let's pick another under-the-radar rookie uh, that you want to talk about for a few minutes.
0: So – I mean, we've talked about Peyton Pritchard a ton. You know, th- those guards that are having an impact on really good teams, Peyton Pritchard, Tyrese Maxey, and Philly, um, you know, we were high on them going into the draft. So, you know, it- it's-, it's not a major shock. But I want to give some love to the Memphis Grizzlies for for what they did with Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman. Um, I mean, Xavier Tillman, I know they're injured and they're banged up, but he looks like a complete steal. You know, a guy that you take in the 30s who was Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, um, who's smart, who's competitive, who can really, really handle and pass, um, and is like a plug-and-play type of dude. And then you get a 6'6 guy like Bain who can really shoot it, um, who's an underrated passer. And those are contributing pieces to a team that, you know, is, is hoping to be a playoff team. Um, so I give them a lot of credit. They continue to, you know, turn these kind of 20s, 30s picks into rotation guys. Obviously what they did with Brandon Clark, um, you know, then you look at job, ja, but even like John Conchar, you know, like outside he can play, you can play. Outside the box, names like that. Um, So they've done a really good job. And, you know, just just watching Tillman um, these last few games, I mean, he's been double-figure scoring, I think, the last three games. um, And he's really proving himself as, at the very least, a rotational guy when they get fully healthy.
1: Amen on all that. I've really enjoyed watching the Grizzlies. They've managed to tread water. Now they've had a ridiculously easy schedule where all their wins are seemingly are against teams that are missing their best or even their top two players. But still, Tillman has been great. And Bain, Bain was what I always get a little, I'm not annoyed, but I always roll my eyes a little bit during the draft when the Grizzlies traded into, into the first round for that pick. And they took Bain. And it's like everyone in the league was like, oh, I knew they were gonna take Bane. I knew it. And I'm yeah. like, why didn't you take Bane? If Bane is so good, why didn't you take him? It's like whenever the Spurs would pick someone at thirty. Oh, yeah. I knew that guy would fall to the Spurs. Well, it's your fault. He fell to the Spurs. You could have picked him too.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and you hear it a lot too, with like, oh well he, and we talk about situation, but oh, he went to that situation. Like, of course, he's going to have success. If he went anywhere else, he would have really struggled. Well, it's like, okay, we'll turn your organization into the organization that turns okay players into really good players. Um, so I, I'm with you on that. But yeah, Bane's Bain's been really good and just size and shooting. You know, there's there's a market for that.
1: Can you tell me what I'm supposed to think of Uh,
0: To quote, you know, Fran Fraschilla. I mean, my my thought was he was going to be a two years away from two years away guy. Um, but you know, the fact that he's he's played this many minutes um, and, and showed you kind of these these glimpses has been intriguing. Like he hasn't been shy. That's for sure. Um, yeah, that's
1: a. I love that's one of my. I was gonna say the same thing, and then I thought that's such a polite way of saying he's just chucking up jumpers all the time. He is like he doesn't care. He I think he missed like his first fifteen shots or something. He's like I'm still shooting. I'm still shooting. I'm still shooting. He. I just don't have any idea what the hell is going on. He's seven feet tall. He plays on the wing. Sometimes he plays the four. He's running pick and roll. He's throwing passes. He's blocking shots. I don't know what the I don't know what the hell he is, but I'm interested.
0: Yeah, he's interesting. He, he was one of these enigmatic guys that, that teams were, were trying to figure out because he only played like 10 games in the Greek second league. He had some injuries, some durability questions. Um, I was trying to get down there to see him this season, and like y- you couldn't figure out when he was going to play, if he was going to play, what was going on. There was always talk of like, okay, has somebody shut him down? Did a team get down there early and just say, hey, stop playing. We'll draft you. That might be what happened. I, I, I'm not exactly sure, but um, clearly, you know, they want to develop him and and they want to do that by playing him minutes. So it's not always going to be pretty. Um, I think he needs to improve in, in the physicality, toughness department, obviously. But, you know, when you see a guy that size running around screens, handling the ball, playing some pick and roll, um, you know, you have to at least your ears perk up like yours have uh, about what he could become in the future. So, well, he's yeah, a good, he's uh, a right.
1: good, he has a nice feel for the game. He's a good passer. Um, it's just. It's a little over the place, but that team is a little over the place, especially when their vets don't play. It's like every time I see him, Horford doesn't play or something. But can I ask you about one more guy? Let's hear it. He's suddenly very, very important, given the events of the last week. And the Nets were very high on him in preseason. Tell me about Reggie Perry and what we should expect of Reggie Perry is now basically I mean, he's sort of like the Nets third string center behind DeAndre Jordan and no center and then Reggie Perry, but he's going to play for their team. And they were optimistic about him in preseason. Tell me what we should expect from him.
0: Reggie Perry can score the ball. He's like an inside outside big. Um, He was very highly touted at a young age. So he was actually the MVP of the under 19 world championship team that Tyrese Halliburton was on Um, a lot of the top prospects in, in this upcoming draft. We're on, I mean, he was like 13 points, uh, eight rebounds in a very short amount of minutes. So he's one of these super productive guys. He's aggressive. He's not going to be afraid of the moment at all on the offensive end of the floor. He's really improved as a passer. I saw him in Vegas working out with those guys, um, Halliburton, some vets, uh, some other, Josh Green, some other players in this this draft. And he was one of the best players on the floor. Um, So I was surprised he he didn't go a little bit higher. I thought he was maybe going to be one of these risers. Um, you know, the question for him has always been on the defensive end of the floor. Um, you know, sometimes body language stuff with him. Um, you know, just always being tuned in. But uh, in terms of an NBA body, a guy who can step out, shoot a three, play out of handoffs, handle a little bit, beat a mismatch in the post, um, beat a switch in the post. I, I think he's interesting. I, I kind of like him. I think he was a nice value add for them.
1: I love it. All right, Mr. Schmitz. There's just very few people in the world who are as uh, deep in their expertise as you are so thanks for coming on and lending us some time on these rookies maybe we'll do another check in 40 games or 50 games into the season and see how these guys are doing but uh, be safe out there appreciate your time thanks Zach
0: appreciate it man
2: And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Direct TV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on Direct TV makes up for your mother, not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds! Direct TV has the most MLB games. Call one 800 direct TV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.